He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. What a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, March 11, 2023, episode 139 is mighty fine. Thanks to special guest, state rep Leslie Herod. Find out why she is a major candidate for the job of the next Denver mayor. She's been endorsed by Dottie Lamb and former mayor Wellington Webb, and she is formidable. She came with an entourage. That's not normal, but I liked it. What energy there was to this broadcast you're about to hear. Cole West, Mario Nicholas, two fine attorneys, formerly Republicans. They left because of Donald Trump, and that shows their good judgment. But the point is they are conservative, and yet they get along with Leslie Herod. They don't just get along They see leadership qualities they want you to know about. And you have to listen to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge right after Leslie Herod. And don't forget Troubadour Dave Gunders. He's got a great song set in New Orleans, 1799, titled Come Down, Miss Lizzie. And he and I discussed the latest events surrounding Jenna Ellis. She got censured by the Colorado Supreme Court for really traitorous misrepresentations, including on Denver Radio, Denver Trump Radio, my former partner, Dan Kaplis. I've tuned in to hear Dan's reaction to all that, his show being mentioned in that kind of disciplinary document. Radio is silence. Same with Brockler, same with all of Denver Trump Radio that I've heard. They have so many off-limits topics, but nothing is off-limits when it comes to my discussion with State Rep. Leslie Heron, here's a word about my lawyer, Michael Bailey, and then you get to enjoy this fabulous interview. Stay tuned for Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, Cole West, Mario Nicholas. Those guys were amazing, too. Then our troubadour, gosh, he was fantastic. You know what? We've got a great episode this week. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) 
Now, part of that was serious and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday. And if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblawllc.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead, who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. All right, what a privilege, what an unexpected treat to have two guys I know pretty well, past visitors to Craig Floyer's Lounge, Mario Nicholas, Cole West, both very accomplished attorneys, and I will get to them, but they are here to support and watch my interview with Leslie Herrod. State Rep. Herrod is a major candidate for Denver mayor. I have featured the major candidates, and after reviewing her interviews, her podcasts, she's got talent. I can tell that. That's why you have a great chance to be the next mayor of Denver Thanks a lot for coming to my home studio. Thanks for having me. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about things that really uh, perhaps aren't that explored on other uh, shows. Mm -hmm. Because Kyle Clark spent a lot of time about homelessness. You've talked about your accomplishments with police reform. We'll probably touch on that. But first and foremost, I want people to get to know you. I'd like to get to know you. I don't think we've ever met before. And I like that you are good with dogs, unlike Mario. Anyway, my dogs love you, so that's a great start. <laughs> well, I, I am pretty well trained by my dog, Clinton, um, who is a Labradoodle as well. And so it, it's always good to be in the company of the four-legged. So tell me about Clinton. How did Clinton get his or her name? Well, um, Clinton is a COVID puppy, and I have always had dogs, um, typically black labs uh, or labradoodles uh, that were named after presidents. And so wow. uh, Clinton got his name from, uh, yeah, our, our, our president, uh, Bill Clinton. Why not Bill? Oh, Clinton sounded better. That's interesting. <laughs> no, it's a great name. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it works. It works better for the dog. Yeah, fantastic. And so, um, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I was actually born in Nuremberg, Germany, on an army base. My mom was an officer in the army. She was an OBGYN in the Army Nurse Corps. So I was born overseas and moved to Colorado a couple of times. My mom loved being here. Can I stop you there for one second? If you get born on a military base in Germany, do you have German citizenship? I do not. I was born on U.S. soil, so don't worry about that either. Okay. I'm okay for the I long run. I just wondered. 
<laughs> yes, yes. No, no German um, uh, citizenship, only a U.S. citizenship. Yeah. Okay. So, so we moved here off and on um, first when I was in the fourth grade in Colorado Springs and then came back uh, in high school, uh, graduated from CU Boulder and uh, moved to Denver. All right, this is what we have in common because I'm pretty old, a lot older than you, but I'm very little traveled. I spent my first year in New Jersey learning that I was more likely going to be a basketball player, I mean a, a lawyer than a basketball player. So I came back to Colorado, and yeah. I really only know three places that I've lived. Colorado Springs, when I transferred back to Colorado College, lived there for three years, loved it. CU Boulder, Go CU Law School, lived there for three years. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I was born in Denver. Yeah. And isn't that the same with you? You really know three cities, Denver, Colorado Springs, and Boulder? Well, I would say a few more because uh, my mom was in the Army, so I did Where travel else have a you lot. Lived? Um, I lived in Seoul, Korea. I lived in Texas and Washington and California. So oh, okay. I've kind of been all around, but um, I will tell you, uh, Denver is my heart and home. Um, it's kind of like a Goldilocks situation where Colorado Springs wasn't quite right. Um, Boulder, mm, not quite either. Uh, in fact, I, I only lived in Boulder my freshman year uh, and then moved outside into the suburbs and then down to Denver. And Denver, it's just right. The beauty of those three cities, oh, I think, gorgeous. in argument, I mean, Colorado Springs with Pikes Peak right yeah, there yeah. above the Colorado College campus. CU Boulder, fantastic. Yeah. Flatirons right there. But to me, Denver gets it all. In yeah. fact, from my deck just outside Denver, you and that's where the people get the best money for their houses. You can get a Pikes Peak to Longs Peak view, the entire front range. Where's your favorite place to go and see that in Denver? Well, um, I'm very lucky in that I live in Park Hill. And so driving uh, from 26th into downtown, I get to just look at that view over City yes. Park. And it is phenomenal, especially when we have the, the bluebird skies and the, the snow-capped mountains. It's gorgeous. So I'm lucky to drive that every single day. And then... You know, the view from the um, balcony at the State House uh, is really hard to beat as well. You get to look over to the city and county building, and then right beyond that, you see the mountain range. And it is just beautiful. And so I, I actually would be hard-pressed to find many places where the view is not beautiful in this city. And so I'm um, pretty lucky to be able to, to look up and see those mountains in that beautiful sky. That's it. From the steps of the Capitol, looking at my favorite building, the one you want to occupy that's on right. the third floor, you want to move from that Capitol to the city and county building, that's my favorite building because that's where the courthouse was back in my day. Mm -hmm. And I remember that day. And the New Deal project, Franklin Roosevelt, yeah. getting that incredible courthouse built. If only courtrooms had that kind of grandeur. I'm looking at these lawyers. They're nodding along. Maybe you could reverse that because that building, and I go in there, there are a few things left to do. There are civil cases, mm -hmm. but it's pretty empty. Isn't yeah. that a waste for Denver? Could you find a way to fill it with activity again? Has anybody talked about this? Everybody's talking about, we don't have enough space, and yet 
you've got this magnificent building underutilized. Yeah. You know, I think that is a, a key for a lot of places around Denver is utilization. We've got to get people activated again and back out um, doing fun things, um, looking at the beauty of our city, of our buildings, um, having conversations um, with each other uh, is important. And I think that would be great in a space like that. I actually recently visited the Central Library downtown and they were ripping out all the escalators to put back in a grand staircase. Wow. Kind of hearkening back to when, you know, grand staircases were part of the design, the major feature of the design in libraries and other public buildings. Um, but then they brought in a practical aspect, too. They're cheaper than having to maintain an escalator that were, you know, constantly breaking. People were falling. And so they wanted to go back to that old school um, grand staircase. And I'm glad. Those I'm glad. escalators never made sense there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't designed that great in the web building. I'm not sure how yeah. well that was designed, but... Well, but the Go good ahead. thing is, is that we've got a lot of infrastructure dollars coming into the city. And mm. so, you know, a lot of the projects that we're talking about could actually be funded by federal infrastructure dollars, state infrastructure dollars, but also all the bonds that we've been able to pass as Denver. And so, you know, I think we have a real opportunity and no one is talking about it. You're absolutely right to harken uh, back to the beauty of our great city. Nice. Is that tucked into that bill that Hickenlooper helped convince Joe Manchin to go along? Is that where the money is coming from? Some of that money could be used for the, these types of projects. Nice. One thing you said when I was asking you to compare Colorado Springs, Boulder, and Denver, you said you fell in love with Denver, and yeah. I think that's the key. Mm -hmm. Because if you become mayor, most mayors serve several terms. Mm -hmm. It's like... Denver's getting married to you, and you are getting married to Denver. Are you in love with Denver that much? I am 100% in love and committed to Denver. Um, I love How this city. How did that develop? Well, listen, when did you fall in love like that? Um, probably, well, since I was little. So my mom, even though we lived in Colorado Springs, we would always kind of travel up to Denver on the weekends. Um we would go shopping at Nordstrom's. Uh, we would uh, go to Tattered Cover, and I would very much over overspend my book limit every single time and have to, you know, barter with my mom to get more books, um, uh, leaving Tattered Cover. And so that's that was the first time I fell in love. And then as I went to see you, Boulder, I found more community in Denver than ever. Uh, and so I would come down to Denver to check out the restaurants, hang out with my friends, check out a live band. I'm very much into the creative scene here. Uh, and so this city, it's it's amazing. And what I love about it is it still feels so un undiscovered and underutilized. We have so much potential in the city for growth, whether it be around the creative scene, whether it be around entrepreneurs um, and so many other tech, so many other industries that are really still booming, um, but the world needs to take note. Okay. I'm going to bless this marriage because I think you're in love. Not that you're the only one who loves Denver, and I still love Denver in my heart, though. When I got defeated for Denver DA, I moved just outside the city, yeah. and, and I stay there. Mm -hmm. Plus, honestly, to give my kids the best shot at a good education, we'll get around to that, but I want to find out more about you. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show of all time? Of all time? Yes. Now that's hard. All right. Well, what are you watching now? I'm watching right now. I'm watching The Last of Us. Um, it's post-apocalyptic, a little, you know, COVID-ish. <laughs> um, but it really is a good um, take on the human character. Uh, and uh, I find it really fascinating. But I will tell you, um, that is a show that 
I find really interesting too, because Denver lost out, Colorado lost out on getting that show here, filmed here, because we don't have a good enough film incentive. And so I'm watching it and they're traveling through Denver or through Colorado. And um, quite frankly, it's not Colorado, and we know our mountain ranges. We know those things. Right. You know well, what I mean? Some politicians have tripped up. <laughs> well, that, so you're saying it the last of you. us. It wouldn't be me or you. The so. last of us was a loss for us. It was a loss for us. It was. And I think it just shows that um, Denver has a story to tell, but we're just not telling it quite well enough. I like it. You are a master of the medium. You are demonstrating that. What's your favorite podcast? Oh, I love watching or listening to the Daily Radio Lab. I'm, you know, wait, wait, don't tell me. (laughs) Makes me laugh every weekend. And so, yeah, yeah. And so you like NPR? I do love NPR, I will say. What's your favorite book? Oh, my favorite book. um, I'm reading a few right now. A lot of them you could imagine are about building a great city, uh, the color of law, um, thinking about how um, how laws and policies at the local level really do shape a city to either bring people in or push folks away, um, and how we can really think through things like affordable housing in a way that makes sense. You know, I was talking to some folks that work in um, the planning office here in Denver, and folks don't realize that the planners and the people who you know make the code really have a huge impact on what the city looks like you know, how it feels, you know, where you can go, who lives there. And they think about it in the terms of of justice, economic justice, you know, access justice. And I think that's really fascinating to hear those conversations from folks who you think are just, you know, people in a back room, you know, putting a stamp on something or denying something. And instead, they're really trying to think through how we can build a Denver for us all. So got to give them credit. All right, back to the book. So you like futuristic books? How uh, no, I'm more of a nonfiction kind of gal when it comes to the comes to the books. But when it's the TV shows, I can do a lot of a lot of uh, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic, and uh, uh, you know, Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism. Oh, That's yeah. a new word for me. Well, then I got to show you some stuff. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie uh, is definitely. Love Jones uh, is a favorite of mine. Uh, love up. Jones. Mm-hmm, What's mm-hmm. that about? It is a love story, and it's it's one of those love stories where there's uh, obviously you know two love interests and they're interested in each other, but it's also a love story about culture. And it was it's it's in um, it's about I guess what I'd say is a, one of the first films I remember seeing where you could tell the city also played a leading role what in the city? movie Chicago. And mm-hmm. who are the actors? Anybody I know. Uh, Nina Long, and I can't think of the other guy's name. All right. Yeah, old school, old school. What's your favorite body of water? My favorite body of water? You have some interesting questions. I'll give you mine. Yes. Highline Canal. I've always lived near the Highline Canal. Sometimes there's not much water in it, but it's kind of a touchstone for me. Yeah. You know, I'd have to give that some more thought to think about my favorite body of water. That's okay. Your favorite. I am a swimmer, though. I will say I'm a swimmer and well, a fly can. fisher. All right. What's so, your favorite swimming pool? My favorite swimming pool would have to be um, the one at Hiawatha Rec Center. Carla Madison's pretty cool, too. Uh, definitely utilize those. And then when it comes to fishing, I fish up at Lincoln Hills, which is uh, kind of outside of Boulder. And it's great fishing. Oh, great you fishing. fish, too. Mm-hmm. Good fishing? Yeah, it's great. I'll show you some photos. No, later. but are you good at it? I'm pretty good. I've never caught anything. Really? But I've never caught COVID. 
So make sure Cole West doesn't give it to me. Okay? Well, I got I to gotta introduce you to my father then. He taught me how to fly fish, and he's uh, pretty darn good at it. You know what? Bell Ritter's big fly fisherman. I know Absolutely. he's endorsed Kelly Bruff. Mr. Webb's endorsed you, Dottie Lamb. We'll get to that. But he's always tried to convince me fly fishing's the thing, and I'm a golfer. We're going to get to that, too. So All right. He came up to me at a recent event. He said, Craig, I broke 45 at City Park, the back nine, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he's suddenly into golf. It's about time, Bill. It's better than fly fishing. Anyway. Well, you have to give it a try and then say that. Do you golf? No. I've tried it, though. I used to, my first job growing up in Colorado Springs was as a caddy at the Broadmoor Hotel. Holy cow. (laughs) Do you know they had an NCAA golf team at Colorado College, and I was on it. So every day after school, I got to go play the Broadmoor for free. See, that's pretty cool. That's Ain't cool. that something? Yeah. I actually went to school. Basically, the school I went to was adjacent to the Broadmoor um, Hotel. It was Pauley Memorial Catholic School. And so that's where I went to school for middle school. And I was there quite frequently. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you Catholic? I'm Episcopalian. So how did you end up at a Catholic school? Well, because my mom traveled so much, it was really hard to always get here in time to enroll for a public school or what were your, you know the qualifications and whatnot. And so sometimes we had to go to private schools before we could uh, go into the public school system. Or sometimes when we were overseas, we went to school off base. It just depends on where my mom could find us the best education. Tell me if you can hear this in your head. The Will Rogers bells going off yeah. while you're at the Broadmoor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I the love Will's, it. Yes. So, boy, we have a lot in common. But we do. don't take up golf at the Broadmoor because those greens, it's really hard to putt there. I was going to ask you your favorite pet, but I hope it's Clinton. It is Clinton. He is my favorite pet. Uh, he's the best, the best dog there is. What's your favorite food? All foods. I'm like very much into almost everything. Do you have any food focus? I will tell. Yeah, I am. I am anti-vegan food. Not vegans. They can do their their own thing. There's a joke. How do you know someone's a vegan? Um, tell me. They'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a Tesla. <laughs> right away. Right, yes. um, no, I I, uh, I always make a joke uh, when folks want to go out. It, it, even even the governor in Marlin, they're like, oh, would you like to go to City O City or to Watercourse? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I do need a little a little meat in my diet. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. But I, since I traveled so much, I, I do like uh, trying all kinds of different foods. Okay, what's your favorite ice cream? Uh, non-dairy. So I got to go... Um, ben and Jerry's has a You're great line. You're not dairy, lactose intolerant. Lactose intolerant. Me too. Yeah. See, are you, there you Jewish? Go. I'm not Jewish. And you know Jews are lactose intolerant. I've heard by that. And large? I didn't yes. know that, but I've heard that. Yes. So yeah. But no, I like Ben and Jerry's. They have great non-dairy ice cream. That's really amazing. And quite frankly, Ben and Jerry's endorsed my campaign too. Seriously, they did. Two Jewish guys. There you go. Right. <laughs> Boy, what's your favorite sport? Um. My favorite sport is going to have to be uh, football. And I will say that I did just uh, spend the morning with Coach Prime, uh, Go Buffs, and uh, had a really good conversation about the upcoming season. And I'm very excited. Oh, could he change Boulder to make it more welcoming for I people? I think he absolutely color? can. He absolutely can. He already has. And so since he signed on, the uh, recruitment um, and the, the, I guess, curiosity of black students to go to CU has skyrocketed. Um, not to mention, of course, the ticket sale and all of that has gone way up too. So more more revenue to support, more um, hopefully students of color there. And then we have a true commitment from the president there, Todd Solomon, to make sure that we are increasing the number of students of color, African-American students. But Coach Prime does bring this kind of um, feeling of acceptance uh, 
to people who are looking to see where they want to send their kids, you know, where they're going to be protected and where they're going to feel like they're going to belong. And having a big name like that here is going to make a huge difference. And we're already seeing it in in, uh, in applications and in enrollment. Now um, you're just name dropping because Todd Solomon was a great guest of mine. What a podcast interview. And he's a Denver area kid, grew up around here. In fact, his cousin was a friend of my parents, an insurance agent. Yeah. The Solomons go way back. Yeah. But Prime, I've never met him, but I get a sense that he is special. He's touched. Is that true? You know, um, so love Todd as well. We work together in the Ritter administration. But what I will say about um, Coach Prime is that he is authentic. He's not going to say things that he doesn't believe in. Uh, and that's what makes him so special is because he is has been his true self, love it or hate it, every every step of the way. I'm inclined to love it. Yeah. And, and I, I like to see positive changes in, in Boulder. And I root for the buffs. It just I grew up that way, just like you did. Yeah. Even down in Colorado Springs, they root for the buffs. They should root more for Colorado College. I need to ask you growing up. Were you aware of Colorado College? Did you have you been there much? Yeah, no, I was very much aware of Colorado College. I actually went, uh, spent the summers at the YMCA down downtown, and so uh, often, you know, in the area with Acadia or what uh, the park there. I think it's Acadia Park. Acadia Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the college students would always be there, and I thought they were so cool. Um, I didn't know much about it, uh, but I, I knew about it being there uh, and spent some time there. But my eyes were, were elsewhere. It was, you know, looking to the Air Force Academy, honestly. That's some, somewhere where it's such prestige and with my family being in the military. But unfortunately, I have pretty bad asthma. And so it was not an option for me. Uh, but it was always somewhere that I just loved to go and, and, and be around people who were uh, fighting to make this country better and, that, and excelling at it. So. Yeah, we were always the little brother to the Air Force Academy. They had yeah. their own golf course, yeah. and that one's hard as hell, too. What's your favorite color? Purple, and what you're wearing today. I knew I that. Thought, I thought you looked pretty good in that purple shirt. And you know why I wore it <laughs> and how I knew? How? Your website is just festooned <laughs> with purple. Ah, so subtle is what you're saying. Yes. How did purple become your favorite color? Well, purple uh, was the color, the campaign color of Representative Rosemary Marshall. Um, she campaigned, and I think she was one of the first that I had seen a woman, a black woman, running for office and kind of broke out of the traditional red, white, and blue colors or the Colorado flag colors and had purple. And she was someone who was a, uh, is a mentor to me, but I actually worked for her as an intern and an aide uh, when I first came down in the state capitol. And so I always uh, looked up to her and thought, wow, if she could do that, um, all the things that she's doing with so much pressure, um, I think maybe I can too. And so my campaign colors have always been purple uh, in honor and respect of her. Nice. What's your favorite beverage? Sprite. <laughs> I like a good sugary soda every once in a while. Honestly, if there were betting odds on that, you saying Sprite <laughs> would have been a thousand to one yeah. in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, who's your favorite president? Oh, my favorite president's Barack Obama. I used to work for him, and uh, I ran, I was on the 2012 campaign. I was his deputy um, political director uh, for Colorado, and I actually have his number tattooed on my wrist, mm. um, 44. Uh, just again, to kind of show me where 
we can continue to go and strive. And I remember bringing him to City Park and having him in the neighborhood, in community. And that was probably one of the um, most special experiences I've ever had. When he was president or running for president? When he was president, mm-hmm. uh, running for re-election. Uh, he was at City Park and just having him in community and just, you know, feeling his energy and, and, and his commitment uh, to the country at, as a whole, but also he was very interested in what the young people were saying, what the young people were doing, you know. He really felt like that was the direction of the country and we needed to be very responsive to what the young people wanted. And as someone who started an organization for young people, New Era Colorado, it was really cool to see someone with such stature um, caring so much about people who maybe folks didn't think were going to vote or didn't think mattered as much. And so he just was, him and the whole first family were just so very much interested in how we can make community and society better, but then also how we can do it from the individual person. And I always really respected that. Gosh, I was on the radio and uh, I had to figure out Barack Obama. I remember I was covering the Kobe Bryant case up in Eagle when he Mm. gave that speech. Where was it in Boston? Mm -hmm. Nominating John Kerry. Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, Mm -hmm. I'll always remember where I saw this guy first. Then I got to meet him at the tattered cover when he gave a speech as Senator Obama writing The Audacity of Hope. And I bought his book and I said, couple seats down from him as people came through the line and I watched him interact with everybody and I was impressed but I still had some doubts because I read everything he wrote and I thought maybe he's angry you know I felt like there was some unresolved anger there and then Reverend Wright and I had to battle every day uh, my radio partner who would say look he's a radical he hung Mm -hmm. out with Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dort or Bernadette Dorn, mm. and and those Chicago roots of his, look at, and it was a decent argument at the time, but now we're so many years later. The guy is not a radical. He's a good man, a family man. He was really no drama, Obama, mm-hmm. but he seems to have activated everything that's come afterwards, including a lot of bigotry and stuff. And I, I, I just, uh, I'm sorry to go off on that tangent, but just to bring it back to today. Well, I'll just say that I think um, it's interesting because as a black man, um, you know, people assume that he was angry. And I think people pick up on different things about, are you angry? Do you have a chip on your shoulder? And, right, you but know, dreams from my father. Sometimes I mean, people they, can be angry. I right. mean, I don't know that you've never had an angry moment, right? Yes. Of course we can be yes. angry. Um, but it's interesting because I think the people who have more anger in their hearts are the people you just mentioned, the folks who were the bigots and the people who yes. were hating. You know, that's really, that's where that anger is. And if if a, as a black man, he responds to that angry anger, he's the angry one. And that's the problem. You know, isn't that the problem? Maybe. Because he is no yes. drama, Obama. And quite frankly, I've never experienced him in any other way. And it turns out you were right. But could you see, and here I am, a white man, a Jewish man. I read Dreams from My Father, and it seemed like he was pissed off at a lot of things and had some unresolved anger. But it turned out he is no drama, Obama. In fact, he was such a good president that now Ron DeSantis, today, we're recording Friday, he's in Iowa saying, I'm no drama DeSantis. <laughs> isn't that funny? No, I bet you have a different funny? perspective I on might. Ron DeSantis. I might, but you know, let's stick to Denver for now. 
but I mean, really, it's it's uh, you would be a leader if elected. You're breaking so many barriers. Yeah, yeah. You don't even want to talk crap about don't say gay laws in Ron DeSantis' world. You just said it. There's not much else to say. I got you. You Let's know, move on. I, again, it's about people and treating people with dignity. Let's and stay respect. local. Yes. How do you feel about Lauren Bobert becoming a grandmother at age 36? I have no feelings about that. That's good, another uh, Good one. for her. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. Mazel Yes. Mazel tov. How is the process of running for mayor? Oh, the process has been really interesting. Uh, what I will say, I have been so lucky to have so many supporters um, who have my back. And quite frankly, people coming out of the woodworks that I didn't even know, um, one, knew who I was, was paying attention. And as Wellington often tells me, you want to know what people really think, go to the grocery store. And uh, <laughs> so I've been doing that a lot more recently. Where and I got to tell you. King Supers or Safeway? Well, is that is that polarizing? I don't know. Sometimes be. I do both, but the closest one to me is Safeway. Um, and so going in there and seeing people and, and their reactions has been really positive and keeps me extremely grounded in what people actually care about because I think a lot of uh, what we see, what we say um, as 17 candidates on a stage for two hours and we get to speak for three minutes uh, doesn't really get to the heart of what people actually care about. And so being around uh, a community is really uh, important to me. How is this fair election fund working or not working? I think it's working all right. Um, I think there's some tweaks that need to happen, especially when it comes to the qualifications to get the fair election fund. We were the first campaign to qualify for a fair election fund within, or we 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 qualified within uh, 24 hours of um, of filing, and so you know it's pretty easy to qualify. And I think maybe raising the bar might be something important. Now it did take other people much longer to do so, um, and it showed that we have a, a base and a groundswell. Uh, but I do think for the interest of taxpayer dollars, we might want to cap it a little bit higher than where we are today. I've watched a few of these debates, and it is kind of disjointed, and it's hard to really figure out who to attack, but some people are attacking you, and some people have experienced attacks. The one on Chris Hansen, Mm. who's been my guest, he Mm. got attacked for putting out what some considered a racist ad Mm-hmm. And I think you, well, you, just tell me what you thought about that. I agree that the ad was racist. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes we have blinders and we don't know. Um, we don't know how another group might perceive something that we've said or done. But when they tell you, it's that is a, a testament of your character is if you listen, you know. And I think that's really important. Uh, and I think we've all made mistakes. And maybe it was not intentional to be racist, homophobic, xenophobic, whatever it is. Um but when someone tells us we've got to we've got to listen, um, every single person in Denver is uh, represented by the mayor. Every single person, regardless of background, party affiliation, color, sexual orientation, and so you've got to balance that. And when someone says you've hurt me or my, you've hurt a group of people, you've got to pay attention. Right, but if, when you say you hurt me, is it any factor that Chris Hansen um, has a multiracial family? Is that a mitigating factor or irrelevant? Unfortunately, it didn't play out here um, because he didn't seem to notice that uh, the people in the ads that were being portrayed um, in a very negative light were people of color. Another guest of mine, Kwame Sparrowman, has been dogged by some complaints that he didn't run the tattered cover well for the workers. Do you want to weigh in on that? 
I don't know that I need to weigh in too much on my opponents. We don't have too much time. Well, then let's talk about you. <laughs> because Axios had that article saying that you are not a good boss, that you are tough, sort of the uh, uh, Amy Klobuchar attack. She's Which not- is so interesting. Yes. Um, well, I think if you read the articles that have come out, you'll see that there's a little bit more nuance to that. Um, of course, I've never yelled at my uh, employees or anything like that. Um, but I, I am tough. And I think, you know, you'll be talking to Cole soon, someone who's worked with me alongside of me for years. And I think, um, you know, sometimes people don't want um, to do what it takes to be as successful or where we are today, um, where I am today uh, in legislature. But I got to tell you, I wouldn't be as successful if it wasn't for my staff. And many staff have come to me and, and said, you know, we loved working for you or we found our stride working with you and felt like we were able to make real impact. Um, I believe that the bills we've been able to pass have really had an impact on Coloradans' everyday lives. Uh, and so being able to do that work alongside of such an amazing group of people, uh, it's been an honor. It's truly been an honor to be able to serve these last uh, few years in the General Assembly. How big of a staff do you have? Well, it depends. My first year, it was really small uh, because I didn't realize that we are so understaffed. And so it is a lot of pressure when you have one position that is um, paid very much below where it should be paid. So as a state rep, you get to pay one person Mm -hmm. to help you. Full-time through the session and part-time out of session, and that's it. And so I worked to um, actually fundraise to provide more staff and more infrastructure as the years went on so that one person didn't feel all that weight or stress. And then we had interns and aides, but they were, or interns, excuse me, and fellows, but they were also unpaid. Um, And you know, there was a lot of there's a lot of needs in the district, especially in central Denver, where I, I represent. And so being able to respond to constituents, being able to be in community and then being able to pass really important legislation, it takes more than what we have. And I will tell you that I have I have fought alongside of folks who've advocated to increase the pay. Um, but additionally, we've looked to say that we should professionalize the staff. We should have professional staff as uh, in our offices as opposed to part-time staff or, or kind of a hodgepodge, which is what we have. And I'll, I'll go back to Rosemary. I was her aide. Um, and so I've been an aide. I've been an intern. I was also in Andrew Romanoff and Alice Madden's office. So I've seen what happens, you know, and, and what it's like on the inside. And, and it's, it's a tough job. I mean, listen, I spent the first few weeks of my job uh, working in the majority office filing <laughs> bills um, and throwing away old files for, for I think like a week and a half and finally they were like, okay, maybe we should get her to do something else. And I was like, I don't want to complain, but um, you know, I think I might've walked in thinking I was going to be writing the bills, not filing them. And so learning, stepping back and learning is just a part of growth. So I go to my own experience, of course, growing up in Denver, Denver Public Schools, GW, CC, CU Law, and then I was an intern at the Denver DA's office, and I rose through the ranks 16 years, Mm -hmm. and I became a chief deputy where I supervised maybe four or five people, Yeah. okay, at a time. And then I tried to get the big job, which involved a lot more people, and truth be told, I wasn't sure if I was really going to be a great manager of that big of a staff. I had an experience with a lesser amount of people. Seems to me that you're in a comparable spot where maybe you really, I mean, Denver's so massive, so many employees, but your staff, have you ever supervised more than three or four people? Yeah, so I actually um, 
created and now run Caring for Denver, which is our largest uh, mental health foundation in the region uh, that funds mental health and substance misuse for people living right here in Denver. Um, We started that organization from ballot measure to then building the foundation to now being an organization where we have given out um, over $100 million to over 200 organizations within the city and county of Denver. We are putting literally our money where our mouth is trying to say we are going to ensure that people have access to mental health and substance misuse services throughout our city and county when they're in crisis, but also in their everyday lives. And quite frankly, I'm the only person in the race that has built an entire foundation. How many employees? We have 11. And are you the boss who can hire or fire them? Yes, I am the boss that can hire, fire. I work alongside of my ED as well. And so we work together every step of the way. Well, there you go. Um, Um, But I think in working through all those city contracts and all of those grants, I mean, it has truly given me the perspective of understanding what people are doing around the city to make it work. All right. I I never ran for Denver mayor, but I did learn about the perks because I was surrounded. Dale Tooley was my boss. Norm Early was my boss. Once I was a surrogate for Norm Early Mm. at uh, a talk against Wellington Webb, who brought along Wilma. And I had to represent Norm by myself at Windsor Gardens. And needless to say, Wellington Webb made fun of the fact that, where's Norm? He sends this guy. (laughs) Anyway, so I know the stresses of running, but I know the perks. You get that huge office on the third floor. Yeah. I think you get a house. Does Denver have that mayoral home on Shangri-La? Yeah, there's Cable Land um, on Shangri-La. I think right now it's more of an event space, and then there's a uh, also a maybe a apartment or something that I think folks live out of sometimes. And so we'll see what happens with the residents. So you might move in. Well, we'll see. Well, let's let's get there first. Let's let's uh, get through this election cycle. I'd like somebody to use that. That's a great house. Why is not want that? Yeah, I think it's a great. Is there a free membership to Denver Country Club and Denver Athletic Club? You know what? I have not asked that question. Um, I do not know about that. What I do know is that uh, the mayor um, does get their health insurance through Denver Health. And I've been working a lot through, with Denver Health to, to think through that and talk to their employees about what it's like to, uh, to be you know, such a, a cornerstone health institution in our city. I already know that Ron DeSantis is not an issue in this election. What, <laughs> what about Donald Trump? I don't think it, I don't think Donald Trump is playing out. I quite frankly can't say that I've heard much about him at the doors, and so I think he's pretty irrelevant in this. Are race. Uh, are guns an issue? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. How absolutely. So? Uh, well, our young people are really worried, uh, especially and and obviously parents about the proliferation of guns in our communities uh, and gun violence, um, be it you know mass shootings and the fear of mass shootings or. Uh, Honestly, youth violence uh, and youth having access to guns. Uh, it's a really it's a, it's a really tough issue and it's a public health issue and a societal issue. You know, we're debating um, waiting periods and whatnot at the Capitol right now. And um, I have to tell people, honestly, I think these bills are really important to pass. But I don't know that a waiting period is going to have changed the outcome of the young kid that went to East and just recently died um, because those guns weren't purchased legally, likely, you know, and our young people uh, talking to superintendent recently, our young people are going to school armed and they are um, unfortunately buying their their guns in fields of rec centers or in the back of their schools. And so we have a lot of work to do to change the culture around that fear um, and ensure that people really understand that guns are not the answer and that their lives matter more than that. 
We used to partner with Wellington Webb on a gun buyback program with the Nuggets. In fact, there was a picture there of a special session in 93. Mm. James Brady came to town and we created laws. It's one of the few times I was in your building Mm. testifying about how juveniles should not be possessing firearms. Up until then, you could give your nephew a Colt 45 for his seventh birthday. Right, yeah. Right, I mean, and that that is... That is somewhat the culture in Colorado, um, and we, we do have to work much harder to change that. Well, I'm all with you on that. What about climate change? Is that an issue? Absolutely. Climate change comes up a lot. Now, it's a second-tier issue, honestly, because folks are so very much concerned about the top-tier issues, affordable housing, homelessness, and uh, community safety. Right. Um, but uh, climate is is an issue. People think that Denver is greener than it really is. And when they realize it's not, <laughs> they want us to work harder to make sure that we is, are a green city. Is abortion an issue? It is in the fact that we don't have enough providers right now. So if we're a city that, uh, in a state that is welcoming of all and um, definitely uh, reproductive justice and rights, um, we don't have enough providers to provide uh, that care. And so folks, again, it ties back to housing. They can't afford to live here. Um, We can't afford to bring in enough people to uh, provide reproductive health care. And so we are seeing some some challenges there, and it's coming up at the doors as well. What about Denver Public Schools? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Denver Public Schools are a huge problem. And any mayor that says we don't have anything to do with Denver Public Schools is inaccurate. Um, If we don't have a great school system, we don't have a great city. Uh, And so we hear that a lot. We hear people very worried about um, the direction of Denver Public Schools and if they should keep their kids there uh, and what the next mayor will do alongside of the superintendent uh, to change um, the direction of the schools. And, and I agree. I, I would have to say that the fact that we haven't closed the achievement gap, and we've talked about it for decades, is a problem. The fact that um, you know we don't have the best outcomes in Denver public schools is a problem. Classroom size is a problem. Um, paying our teachers well is a problem. And so uh, these are things that we will work alongside to make sure that, that we improve. And I would like to see some metrics and goals around that. Nice. What do you think government's role really should be in people's lives? Well, that's interesting. I mean, you're asking me if I'm a libertarian or not. And I think there's a streak there in that, you know, my business is mine and your business is yours, you know. Um, but we should have laws that actually protect that, in my opinion, and ensure that people can live their lives as openly and as free as possible. As a queer woman, you know, I believe that I should have the ability to love and marry whoever I want. Um, as I think about, you know, young kids in our schools, they should be able to express themselves however they want within the bounds, right, of making sure that they are allowing others to also express themselves and grow. And so for me, um, there are times when government needs to have a hand in ensuring that society allows that growth of the individual. But there's also times when the government needs to get out of of its own way. I'll tell you what that looks like. It looks like an 18-month permitting process right now in the city and county of Denver to build houses. Um, That's absurd. And it's because we've built bureaucracy on top of bureaucracy and we won't get out of our own way. There are things that sometimes I'm I'm a Democrat and feel myself as a good Democrat – that Democrats add too many layers, too much red tape, and it creates uh, so much confusion um, that it stalls out the entire process. And having an 18-month permitting process is absurd when our number one issue is affordable housing. Um, And so there are definitely times when government needs to just get out of the way. I listened to a great podcast called Black Queer Rising, starring you. Oh, that's me. And I didn't know that that was an appropriate thing to say, but I believe that 
I will let other people tell me how they want to be addressed. And you have chosen the word queer? Yes. Why? Or member of the LGBTQ community. Well, sometimes that feels really long to say. So it's easier to just say queer. Um, But it sounds bigoted. I mean, when... In the past, the word queer seems bigoted. I would not put it out of my mouth without your permission. It depends on, and I appreciate that, and that's important, uh, but it depends on how you use it um, and what is motivating that use. You know, if you're using it out of respect or, you know, identifying someone they want, it's one thing. If you're using it as a slur, um, black can be used as a slur, too. And I'm a black woman, you know? Same with Jew. Same with Jew. It's, It's all how you say it, and it's all what you mean behind it, and I think that's the most important part. All right, we can agree the government's role is to keep people safe. Yes. Right? Include safeguard their freedoms. That's what you're talking about. Uh, does government have an obligation to make the city attractive? I think so. I think so, too. Yes. Uh, okay, um, I, I so- know you're, you're running short on time, so I'm going to pick it up just a little bit. I'm just wondering, does the city have an obligation to house people? I think it does, and I think... Your last question about making sure our city is beautiful, that matters. People need to come here. People need to feel safe here. Cleanliness and safety are hand in hand. Um, but also we have to think about like where that comes from. So back in the day when we had the DNC here, I know you you were around. Uh, I was. I yeah, broadcast that. It was great. I got to write every day for the Rocky Mountain News on yeah, the Obama side. You did. Loved it. You did. And so, um, but remember when people came to the city and were like, wow, the city is so clean. It's so fun. There's so much to do. I feel so safe, you know? I think we got to get back to that. We got to get back to that Denver, where we are the cleanest city. We do feel like we're the safest city, and so a part of that um, cleanliness and getting it's getting people housed. We see these encampments that have proliferated, and we haven't done anything really to move people into housing. Um, Denver DPS and RTD own the majority of the vacant lots in our city. We can actually build social housing, permanent and um, temporary housing on our own land, and we're not doing it. Okay, one of my last questions. I'm worried that a mayor. Uh, Leslie Herod would say, you know, that Willis Case golf course, that's a lot of land. We could build some high rises there. What about Wellshire? What about City Park, God forbid? I love that view playing mm. City Park. Mm. Are you going to keep our golf courses safe? Or well, do you think that, you know, in a crowded city, we can't do golf courses anymore? No, I don't. Listen, we need more parks in our city, quite frankly. And I think the the park versus housing conversation is one that is not um, it's not accurate in Denver. We still have plenty of land. And when I'm talking about land, we have blighted lots in Denver that our city owns and we're not doing anything with them. So we don't need to look at a golf course. We need to look at that empty, blighted uh, surface lot that we're not doing anything with. And we could build multiple units on there, you know? That's what we need to think about. Right along Monaco. Right along Monaco. And quite frankly, listen, we um, we are a city within a park. So we have to make sure that we have a green space in our city. That should be a priority for our city. And it's not at odds with affordable housing. Okay, my last question. Which of these two guys, Cole West and Mario, they're going to stick around going to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge which one of them is going to be Denver city attorney? Oh, interesting. Um, I think more importantly is, you know, who's going to be um, who's going to be the decision maker alongside of me uh, as we run the city. And I, I'd have to say it's a uh, it's Susan West, <laughs> Skull's wife, because she's tough as nails. And I, I want to have her on the team. So <laughs> that that's who's going to be alongside of me. Well, you were a great interview. I'm going to let you go. We're going to pause it, and then I'm going to bring back these two guys. Do you bring them everywhere you go? 
I try. Beautiful. <laughs> and and just before we go, the endorsements. Uh, these guys, Cole West, Mario Nicholas, Wellington Webb, yeah. Dottie Lamb. Yes. Anybody else? Anita and Rudy Gonzalez. And uh, the, there's a, I'm grateful that there is such a list um, of support. All right. Well, check it out on your website. Thanks so much. And my dogs love you. Great sign. Good Can luck. I get their support as well? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks Say for hi having to me. Clinton. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Michael Bailey, a friend a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's gonna happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's gonna go, you know who's gonna get it. We've got everything in place, so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined, it's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaelbaileylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Holy cow, save that for the air. Craig's Lawyer's Lounge open. We're only serving water today. But I enjoyed that interview with Leslie Herod. Thank you guys for coming along and being so silent. Cole West and Mario Nicholas have both been guests in the past in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. And unlike... The other mayoral candidates, Leslie Heard, came with an entourage of great attorneys. Let's start with uh, Cole West. Hey, Craig. Okay? It's good to be with you. Who's older between you two? Um, quite a bit older than Mario. I turned 60. Okay. Age before beauty? Yeah. But he looks, he looks younger, so I mean, if you know Cole. All right. Let me give you the primer on Cole West. He was a Republican rising star. In the legislature, in leadership, back when the Republicans were competitive, the dark forces of Rocky Mountain gun owners and other right-wing nutcases got on his ass and uh, 
he lost his political position and eventually realized that the Republican Party was not the place for him in the age of MAGA world. I'm speaking for you, Cole, but we don't have that much time. And now he is a regular suburbanite without a party, sort of like me, calling them as he sees them. And he sees that Leslie Herod would be the best mayor for Denver. Am I right? Um, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, we need good leaders throughout government right now. And, you know, I think so many times we view who's a good leader with through the political lens of, do I agree with this person on this issue? Do I agree with this person on this issue? Uh, and what I want people in Denver to know is you want the right person in that office who will surround him or herself with quality people, uh, a person who will listen to others, a person who will be collaborative and be a problem solver. And in my time serving with, with Leslie in the legislature, and we sat next to each other in, in the Judiciary Committee, and you know how long those hearings can be. Um, and we found common ground on a number of issues, most principally criminal justice reform and looking at our, our state's Department of Corrections. So I've seen Leslie up close. I've watched the way she works. I've watched the way she works with others. And that's the reason I'm supporting her, because I think she'd be a fantastic mayor. What an endorsement, because I think that the general reputation of Leslie Herod, and I never met her before today, and I was very impressed, and the part I wanted you to say on air was, you learned stuff during that interview. Tell me what you thought of the interview. Yeah, you know, I think there there's the Leslie Herod that people think that they know, um, and then there's the Leslie Herod that those of us who know her well uh, know her to be. And that is, you know, a few things. She's personable. She's warm. She's funny. Um, she's very well-spoken. Um, and I think she's thoughtful about issues. And she, she she's also not a person that thinks she has the answer to every question. But when you're a strong leader, and particularly a strong woman leader, um, and being as visible as Leslie's been on some of the, the, the tough issues of our day, um, I think people tend to form very strong opinions about you. What I hope people will do is really look past what you've heard about Leslie, get to know her yourself, and form your own opinion um, about what kind of leader for the city you think she'd be. Okay, I'm envisioning you sitting next to Leslie in the legislature, and some of it is probably fascinating, but some of it deadly dull, and I bet you crack jokes and she would laugh, and that's why you think she has a good sense of humor. Uh, she she does have a great sense of humor, and and uh, you know one of one of the the funny things in the legislature was when we'd have late sessions, the Republican caucus would usually get Chick Fil A, and that tends to be uh, you know triggering for some folks. And so I I, I tease Leslie, I'm like, you really would like some of my waffle fries, wouldn't you? Uh, you know, but uh, look, I, I I think she's a person who. Um, because of her breadth of experience and because of, because of the kind of person she is, um, I'm not saying I agree with her on every issue and that I will agree with her on every issue, but I care more about how a person thinks and the way that they form decisions. Um, and that's the, those are the kinds of things that I hope people will talk about in this campaign. Right, but there are some people who are so far on the left. In fact, if you take it to an extreme, it's like they would 
tear down Willis Case Golf Course because they said that's not fair. These people need a place to live. They'd say, hey, Silverman, you've got a big house. Why don't you move in a family of four? I mean, there are people on the left who go way too far. And I imagine that's been a lifelong turnoff for you. And your endorsement means that Leslie Herod is not one of those people. I think there are people that go too far on both ends sure. of the political spectrum. And, you know, uh, I think very clearly Leslie's a, a Democrat and in good standing with her party. Uh, but she has friends who are Republican. She has friends that are unaffiliated. Um, and that, you know, look, the the vast majority of our state, and you have two of them sitting with you here today, are, are unaffiliated. I think it's like 46% of, of the state now is unaffiliated. That tells me that people aren't looking at party labels as the solution to our problems. They're looking for good leaders and people that will be consensus builders and bridge builders, frankly. Okay, you guys talk as if you're unaffiliated. Look, I ran for office unaffiliated. Both you guys ran as Republicans, right, Mario? Yep. Bring that mic to you. Yeah, no. And, uh, uh, how long were you a Republican? I was a Republican for most of my life. So I was a Republican from when I was in college and first worked for Ben Nighthorse Campbell um, through the day before Donald Trump's inauguration. And I left that day because I didn't want any part to do with that. And I'll tell you, a lot of what happened for me was Trump pushed me away and the, the MAGA party as it evolved made sure that I won't come back. Okay, we'll leave out all those in-between parts like working for Rudy Giuliani. But he was normal then, right? Yeah, well, I, I wrote a, you, you read my column about yes. him and, and how he broke my heart. And honestly, I, you know, I think it's it, – I will say this. You know, we were talking about Leslie here and why. And I think one of the things about Rudy was he was not an authentic person. And that is what drives me towards Leslie. Right. She uh, is an authentic human being. She is – unapologetically progressive um but she's a progressive who's pragmatic and listens and she's not one of those people who wants to burn it down she says hey look we have these progressive policies we want to pursue uh but i need to make sure that everyone comes to the table and talks about it has input and that's how we get things done and that's that's really what i love we will her. talk rudy another day all these exposés on cnn and msnbc that he's always been kind of a rat bastard. Anyway, back to Leslie. How did you get to know her so well? Because you're a Colorado Sun columnist, and uh, yet you've decided to kind of step out of that role and advocate for a candidate. Well, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a columnist, so I, just like you, and so I, uh, I'm, I'm supposed to have opinions, and, and my opinion of her is great. I, I will tell you, I, I've met Leslie throughout the years on several things. So if you remember, I argued for civil unions um, and why civil unions were good for Colorado, which is why when I ran as a Republican in 2014, Rocky Mountain gun owners came after me because of that. It sounds odd, but we'll have to go into that in another show. Um, well, that's that whole gun and <laughs> penis connection, isn't yeah. it? Right. Well, that's the way some of those folks think, think yeah. about it, I'm sure. And, and if you've seen them in the legislature this year, uh, it's been pretty ugly. Uh, but, you know, so I, I met her through that. I met her through some uh, healthcare work that I've been doing. Um, and then I had the chance to start to work with her again last year on some of the uh, uh, policies she'd been pushing and really came to respect her. I just, I just found that... <sighs> 
there are legislators who are backbenchers um, and who, you know, go there just to be, hey, I'm a legislator, I'm a representative. Uh, she didn't go there for the title. She went there to get things done, and she absolutely did. I think you can look at her uh, work, her body of work, and it matches up to anyone down there. And I think that's why she would be great for Denver. What about this ripping of her in that Axios article? Was it fair? How did that come about, and did it shake your confidence in Leslie Herod? No, it, it didn't at all, and, and I'll tell you why. It Again, it's like I said, she's not a backbencher of the legislature, and anyone who's been in that building and sees that knows that it's hard, and it's hard on everyone there. It's hard on legislators. It's hard on staff. Um, you know, you are going to coffee at midnight. Um, I mean, just look at last night. Last night, we had the legislature there until what, like 3 a.m. in the morning? Um, and so legislators on the floor. So yeah, you're going to coffee, you go get food. Um, I've done that before as a lawyer, um, you know, and, and I'll be like, Hey, can I get, go get you some coffee? You know, when I'm working with legislators or what can we do and do that? Um, and you know, I don't, I don't, I think it's important to note that, you know, you know, it just is a difficult place sometimes to work at. And so different people have different lived experiences. Um, and I, I, again, go back to the fact that she's not a backbencher. Um, she's always going to have hard issues to work on and hard policies that she wants to discuss. And that's going to require a lot of work from her staff. And by and large, they have all delivered. I mean, you, you heard her when she was talking about it. She said she couldn't get it done with her other staff. And I think that's exactly right. And I'm not criticizing you for getting involved and backing her. And the thing about being a columnist or a podcaster or even a radio host, you can kind of make up your own rules and, uh, your own compass, but did you have to think twice uh, that you were going to advocate, come on my podcast, go other places and say, no, I'm for Leslie Herod. Did you think that, wow, all these other candidates now view you as a person who won't give them a fair chance? Well, I mean, so a couple of things, you know, I think um, um, really it wasn't a, oh, well, how do I have to think about doing this or doing that? It was more along the lines of I had to meet her and get to know her and get to know what she was doing. And, I, you know, I was I've been a part of her campaign from the start. Um, and so there were some people who came in later who I worked with Mike Johnson. I was his general counsel at COVID Check Colorado. Um, so I worked with him. Um, think Mike's a great guy. Um, but when I look at this and I look at Leslie and what she's doing, I think she's going to be fantastic. And I just... Getting to know her and know her really well over the past year, uh, this is what Denver needs, especially as it goes into a really challenging period in its history. I, I grew up in Denver. I grew up just on the west side of Denver in Jeffco, went to Green Mountain High School. I've seen Denver change over 40 years. And honestly, it is at a point where we could go one or two different ways. And we need someone who's not a backbencher. We need someone who says, look, I want to find the issues. I want to address them. I want to bring people into it. And that has been my experience with her. Look at the three of us. We all have our Denver roots, me especially, even more than you guys, because I was born in Denver and I lived here. And I oh, no, 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 no. I was born in St. Joe's, Craig. I was born at Rose. <laughs> okay, so all I'm saying I'm, is... I'm a Western Slope kid. So right, but all three of us <laughs> have ended up not living in Denver. Okay, we live, right, we live nearby. And I'd like Denver to be the kind of place where now that I'm an empty nester... Maybe I'll move back, you know. But if, you know, I mean, it's it's not altogether fair to say that unless 
if you don't live in Denver, I'm not you, saying that. You know, Look at me I, weighing it. You know, right. because I, I do work in Denver. I spend a lot of time in Denver, and I care deeply about the success of this city. And those of us who live on the Front Range in the metro area, we all should care deeply about Denver being successful, being you know having a thriving economic center, and being safe, being a city that we're all proud of. And I'd like to see Denver return to that. Yeah, and, and technically, I actually moved closer to Denver as I got older, um, because I was, you know, my parents lived in Evergreen when I was born. Uh, then we moved to Lakewood and Green Mountain, um, and now I'm, you know, even closer. I'm about a stone's throw away from Denver, uh, where I live now. So it's uh, I, what I will say though, and I think this is what Cole was getting to is. Um, Denver is, as Denver goes, so goes the Denver metro area, so goes Colorado. And, and it really, if we don't have Denver as that queen city uh, that it is, uh, the rest of the region suffers. So that's why it's so important to get this mayoral election right. Right. Just envision a great future where parents said, I want to move to Denver because of their great schools, because it's safe. It, it would be wonderful if that could occur. I only have... A minute or two left. Everybody should read Mario's column, Making Everybody Safer by Giving Up His Guns. That was his last column, but let's do a preview of your column upcoming in the sun. Yeah, uh, no, so uh, so we were Jenna talking about Ellis. this. Jenna Ellis is what read it this Sunday. We're, I'm talking about Jenna Ellis a little bit um, and the fact you know, that she was censured by the uh, Cardo Supreme Court Attorney Regulation Council. Um, and going into that a little bit, but also going into a little bit about, you know, um, seems not apologetic about it. My guess is if she had to trade, if she had to have that happen to her to get the fame and fortune that she's garnered, she would do it 100 out of 100 times. So and the I, penalty, too light? Yeah, I, I, I think the only reason she actually avoided disbarment, and we were talking about this before, was because she was not um, on the pleadings where the actual lies took place. So she was, she, they, they couldn't ever actually say she didn't tech that she technically lied to a court, which would be worthy of disbarment. Um, um, but you know, then she goes out and she says, well, I've never said that I lied. That includes intentionalness. Well, read the plea. I mean, we're attorneys. We can read the pleadings, um, read what the opinion is. And it says she was reckless, which means she should have at least known that what she was doing was dangerous. Um, and so, but she did it anyway. Is she dangerous? I, the, <sighs> the, the major part to me was, hey, guess what? This hurt American. I put it out there on Twitter. Dan Kaplis and I have a complicated relationship, but uh, since he's gone ultra MAGA, I don't even understand where he's coming from except he adores jenna ellis and he platformed her november 16 2020 right after the election there she was given prime time in the afternoon to say stop this deal send us money stop this deal what deal but there were no questions and eventually dan kaplan's show got mentioned in the uh public censure by the supreme court and it's like I warned Dan. I was listening. I was playing golf at Common Ground, and I heard him talking about me. And then he started talking with Jen Ellis. I said, Dan, don't, don't go down this road of the big lie because it's going to destroy America. I warned him. And then January 6th happened. I, I, Jen Ellis was a big part of all that shit, wasn't she? Well, yeah. And I mean, I think, but that's the point, though. And that's what I'm driving at here is, there are a large portion of 
people who are who are like the Genialises of the world or other folks who worked in in the kind of the MAGA world who are driven by a profit motive. In fact, that was a part of of the censure was she admits that she was doing it for personal reasons, a personal profit. And she's still doing that. And the only reason she can profit is because she has that bar card in her purse, just like we carry one around. And that's embarrassing to me that she gained status from being a Colorado lawyer and gives her license to lie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... You know that's and that's that's my problem and my issue with someone, especially because what she's known for, you know, is mainly working on an election. But I don't know that she's ever tried an election trial ever. Uh, as someone who's done many many of them myself, I look at that and I'm like, wow, you have national fame for doing that and something that you've never actually accomplished or done, which just is mind-boggling to me. But I think that just gives you insight into the world that she's playing a part of. Did you, did you ever meet her? Do you know her? I have, ne- I have never actually met her. I've met her many, many times. And one thing that maybe justifies this, she was homeschooled. She went to a religious college. She's very religious. Is so that am I. I'm, a, I'm a vestry member at my church. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Right, but her religion compels her to fight against abortion, and maybe Dan Kaplis, if he was sitting here, he won't let me ask him about Kyle Clark, so he's not sitting here. But uh, the bottom line is a lot of people say Donald Trump gave us the end of Roe v. Wade, and that's been my big issue. Jen Ellis would be one of those people. Therefore, I'm sticking with the guy, and damn the Colorado Supreme Court— it's pro-abortion for disciplining me. They just don't like people like me. What's your response? Yeah, I mean, so I think there are plenty of other very good attorneys who might have those same religious beliefs, those same ideological beliefs. I think they, I, I just I just don't understand. The, the why her comes all the way down to because she was willing to say things and mislead the American public about uh, the 2020 election. And she was willing to do that when other attorneys weren't. And that's the problem that I have with her. All right. And that's a pretty good problem to have with somebody. And uh, it's not over, right? MAGA threat continues. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I do this show. Jen Ellis will be a part of it. You know, she has a show on Salem. And the thing I'm trying to figure out in the wake of Revelation, let's bring Cole West back in because I just want his opinion. My last question you guys have been part of the Republican ecosystem. So has Fox News. Tucker Carlson's been exposed as a liar. He said, I hate Donald Trump. He's a destroyer, okay? And so uh, it, the people who watch Fox News never hear about that because they won't cover it. And Tucker Carlson remains a god. I tuned in to Dan Kaplis to hear what he would have to say about Jenna Ellis, the person he has promoted as one of the top lawyers in America, and even issued a challenge one day. No lawyer would debate her. And his producer brought up my name. And I told him, I'll debate her. You know, I've talked with her many times. But my question is about Fox News and this ecosystem. It's getting scary to me because these people get limited information. When their heroes fall flat on their face, they never hear about it. They turn it around against the other side. What's going on with America? I'm really worried about it. Well, uh, I think you and I have spent plenty of time talking about what that MAGA world looks like. But to just to, to pivot to 
this mayoral election yes. because that's you know really was the the reason why we got together today. Um, and you know we've we've stopped talking to people that don't agree with us on issues. Um, we stay in our little echo chamber and we talk to people that think like we do. That's the problem with America. Um, and that's the reason why we're so divided. We have people, uh, and I'll say on both sides of the political spectrum, but primarily Donald Trump and folks that follow Donald Trump who are utilizing that division to, uh, to try to create um, political opportunity, to create financial profit. Um, it's immoral. It's wrong. It goes against the, the basic tenets of what this country is about. And that is, uh, we believe in diversity of views and opinions, but most importantly, we believe in respect for democracy, respect for each other. And the, the, the underlying principle of the First Amendment is that everyone, everyone in this country has an opportunity to make their voice heard. But when we're finished with that in the democratic process, we respect the outcome. And the difference is that with this last election and the big lie, we have people that are threatening that democratic experiment that's worked pretty darn well in this country for a long time. We've got to take that threat really seriously and fight with every fiber of our being against it. I've already said, if Donald Trump is the nominee in 2024, I'll vote for the democratic nominee Point blank. It's, that's the easiest choice. It's the choice between democracy and it's the choice uh, and the, uh, the choice on the other side is authoritarianism um, and a very dark future for our country. And uh, we've got to take this threat very seriously. I could not agree more. Everybody gets the right to speak, but I'm worried about the Tucker Carlson's of the world. Their disinformation, cold, beautiful Last word to Mario on this topic, the Tucker Carlson revelations, and can we get to the point, you know, our, our justice system is so beautiful. Put up your best arguments. I'll put up mine. Let the facts and the law determine the outcome. But with the media ecosystem and now Tucker Carlson totally exposed and unrepentant, what do we do as a society? Yeah, you know, and I think that's that's one of the big questions, and that's the question we are facing, because it's, you know, you say Tucker Carlson totally exposed, and I, I think for us as attorneys that it looks like that, but for his audience, it doesn't look like it at all. It looks like Tucker Carlson totally targeted, and that's the way that they see it. I, you know, we've I like to refer to it as a post-truth world, um, in a world where where people just say they, they ignore facts for what their gut tells them because they don't think there's anything such as truth or fact anymore. And that's, I think the dangerous piece that I see. And that's, and that's what Tucker Carlson's, that's what Tucker Carlson does every night on his show. So it's no wonder that the people who are listening to him basically ignore what we see is the, you know, him being exposed. And then you add on to it that some channels just simply are going to, never going to cover it or talk about it in any meaningful way. We just we just have this weird division in our society right now, and um, uh, it's going to be something we're going to have to come to copes with. Gosh, what great guests you are! And the final word to my son Sam, who may be a lawyer someday, is a sophomore at CU, and I don't know if you get help writing your column, but occasionally I do. And I wrote about perjury, and I said words to the effect that I, I talked about the Alec Murdoch trials. 
and you used the word post-truth world, and I was running that by Sam as I was trying to come up with something original, and I put, he suggested it, he said, go with post-truth planet. So Sam Silverman gets the last word in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Cole West, Mario Nicholas, big backers of Leslie Herod. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is, you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if you were to, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like, I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Hey, I have some exciting news. I am starting my brand new law firm. It's Attitude, mine. The legal skills, mine. The support staff, incredible. Find us online soon at craigscoloradolaw.com. Find me right now on Twitter at Craig's Colorado. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Craig. Troubadour. How are you? Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Guess what? We have Shabbat with my father tonight. I know it. It's already Shabbat on the East Coast. How is Henry? Henry is well. Give him my best. Give him my best. I will do that. Actually, better than we thought. So uh, he's, he's hanging in there, Craig. You gave me one of your best songs ever for this special episode. Oh my gosh, what an interview I had with Leslie Herod. And you gave me the song, Come Down, Miss Leslie. How do you do it? (laughs) Oh, I knew there was an angle there somewhere. (laughs) Oh, it's Come Down, Miss Leslie. Oh, that's right. But tonight it can be, or tomorrow, it can be Miss Leslie. I'll tell you, she is a major candidate for a big job, mayor of Denver. Very impressive. I want you to listen. While you were on the East Coast, you wrote about a different city in this song, New Orleans. 
Is New Orleans your second favorite city? New York. Is Denver still number one for you? We still have to, Oh, I thought you meant as a visiting city. Yeah, no, I'm saying, please tell me Denver's number one. Well, Denver's number one because it's my home. Right. And then New York or New Orleans is number two. Oh, boy. Well, you know, New Orleans calls me a little bit uh, with a little more uh, insistence, I would say. I think I know why you are in New York. It corresponds with Donald Trump getting indicted in Manhattan. Have you heard about that? No, you're telling me now. Now, they're saying it's upcoming, and you know because you have to invite the target to testify first, and they've done that. Will he go? Oh, hell no. But I'll tell you what I would do if I was a prosecutor. I'd call up the DA in Atlanta, Bonnie Willis. I'd call Merrick Garland, and I'd say, look, we've got a serial criminal. Let's coordinate. Because there is no law against that. So maybe this is the start of a bunch of dominoes falling. Maybe. So, Craig, we've, been, we've, we've talked about it for years now. Thus far, no dominoes. There was a domino while you were gone. Did you hear about it? Well, tell me. Now, first, I have to tell you something else and get your gut reaction. Since you are Mr. Oblivious Times traveling, which means you know nothing about current events. Do you know who's going to be a grandma at age 36? Oh. You don't know, do you? I wasn't even a, my wife wasn't even a mother until age 36. I didn't get married till I was 38. I don't think I had a serious date till I was in my 30s. Anyway, there was a 15-year-old impregnated by a 17-year-old whose last name happens to be Bobert. Let's hear it from Lauren herself. I'm a mom of four boys. And I've said many times, Jason and I, we are raising our four boys to be men before liberals teach them to be women. But I leaned over and I asked my husband if it was appropriate to announce this here today. So I'm going to tell you all for the first time in a public setting that not only am I a mom of four boys, but come April, I will be a Gigi to a brand new, a brand new grandson. And Jason and I are so excited to welcome this new life into our family. Now, any of you who have young children who are giving life There are some questions that pop up. There's some fear that arises. Now, my son, when I approached him and told him, Tyler, I'm going to be a 36-year-old grandmother, he said, well, didn't you make granny a 36-year-old granny? said, yes, I did. He said, well, then it's hereditary. (laughs) Nice try, buddy. So, Troubadour Dave Gunders, tell us your reaction to Lauren Bobert being a grandma at age 36. Well, I mean, it's uh, it, it, that's how that's how it used to be. Like I imagine in rural uh, America and still in third world countries, it's probably not uncommon at all 
rural America a hundred years ago, I bet you uh, that was probably more the rule than than the exception. Right. Back in 1799. Yeah, back in 1799. <laughs> back to my, when you back to my Miss song. Lizzie, you know, it's a sweet song because you really do love Miss Lizzie, right? We do love Miss Lizzie, yes. No, yes, but no, the, you said you would marry her if you could. In the song, you say that's that. That's right. You really listen, yes. Yes. You listen, yes. He wants to marry her, but he he doesn't think it, it may not be in the cards. And you kind of confess that, hey, I don't have an education, kind of just right. like Lauren Boebert. And, <laughs> so, yeah. and a, her a son, how, how smart can he be, you know? At 17, a condom, how much do they cost these days? I I, I don't know. I'm not a regular uh, buyer anymore. Right. <laughs> Great. Didn't you used to write a check for them back in the day, and then one of them bounced, and it was a rubber check? <laughs> anyway, I just made that up. Try to top that chat, GPT. You tell, don't you tell a joke about how the, the cashier calls out to the, uh, you know, how, how much for these whatever rubbers? No, that's a dirty joke. and involves okay. my mother and when I needed to buy tampons and the guy yeah. with the mic thought I said thumbtacks. It, it it gets worse from there. Thought so. he said thumbtacks. But uh no, but no, it, no that it, was always that was always my fear when I would when if I was buying rubbers that someone would call out and ask what they how much they were. I don't know why, but it there was more stigma maybe back right. then. Right. Yes. Okay, speaking of stigma and condoms, and I don't know, that's the worst segue in the world, but did you hear who got in trouble with Colorado Supreme Court? They called her out and said, we are censuring you, Jenna Ellis. Well, I guess I just gave it away. Um, my friend Jenna yes. Ellis. Asked, really censuring her? In, in what sense? In what sense is the, is that? I mean, what, what happens when someone it's is like censored? A, you know how sometimes you critique my disciplining of my dogs. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do this, and and some of it involves maybe a little swat on their tush, or right. or grabbing their muzzle. But this is the equivalent in dog discipline of saying, "Bad boy." Bad boy. In fact, today, um, just in memory of Sidewinder, Riley may rest in peace. Yeah. Skylar was eating uh, a goose dropping. And, <laughs> yeah. And I said, stop. That's bad. That That's kind of what the Supreme Court said to Jen Ellis. Censure. It's not censor. It's censure. Censure. Right? Yes. A different word. Yes. And so does it mean that she can't argue in front no, of the Supreme Court? She's got more powers. Just ask her. She's bragging on Twitter. Hey, I didn't lie. I never said I lied. I didn't do anything deliberately. And I can practice law just like Craig Silverman or Cole West, or Mario Nicholas, the guys were in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Hey, I used to be in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, and you know what? The only reason I was of value to Donald Trump is because I'm a lawyer, and he could say, this is my lawyer, and look at her, isn't she smart? But that's why, you know, it's a big debate among lawyers. Should she be sanctioned for politics? Because she really didn't say it in court, 
She said it more on Fox. She said it on the Dan Kaplan show. She said it so over and over. Uh-huh. Can I interject, yes, Craig? Yes, please. Your readership, your listenership has been there's has, there's been a lot of discussion on whether you're gonna whether you're gonna pick up the gauntlet. Well, I already went through this. Dan Kaplitz will play the sound right after you're done, even before Miss okay. Lizzie. But okay, here's the uh, just the recap of events. I know Jenna Ellis probably a lot better than Dan did. I got invited to her second wedding. I couldn't go, and that got dissolved pretty fast. But she would call me. As a lawyer, and I won't reveal about what, other than she liked me, she trusted me, and I let her fill in for me, partly because she was anti-Donald Trump. But then she saw a way to advance, and she went to focus on the family, and Christianity was a big part of everything for her. She was homeschooled. I thought she was pretty dull as a talk show host, but functional, And yet she got hired by Donald Trump and pretty soon she was the campaign attorney for the Donald Trump reelect campaign. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, I remember when she's struggling to do a little bit of this and that in the law, maybe be a professor, I don't know. So she found her way forward and now, heck, I could live 12 lifetimes and not be as famous as Jenna Ellis and really... I'm not jealous. People can, you know, jealous of Jen Ellis. No, I'm not. Because but would you like to debate her? Oh, yes. In a fair forum, definitely. Jenna, you were invited on. So Dan Kaplis, yeah. he platformed her right after the election. She came on for an hour, stopped the steal, she said. The election right. was being stolen. She gave out websites. Idiot sent money. And the big lie was born. On K. Howard Kaplis and uh, on Can U.S. with Altman and Boyles and corporate. And it came right out of Colorado, and now it could ruin our whole country and possibly the world. Is she still holding forth on that? I mean, is she still? Absolutely. She's still. So is Donald Trump, and so is Fox. That's the thing about these authoritarians. He will keep saying it until we all relent. Okay, Donald. You are the club champion for the 12th time in a row. Oh, my God, yes. Even though you didn't play on the same days as the competitors, if you said you shot a 64, okay. Right. Here's the trophy. That's what they do. That's what they're doing with this election. And pretty soon people will say, well, it wasn't rigged exactly like he said. And maybe it wasn't Dominion, but it was Twitter, and it was this, it was that. And Joe Biden really didn't win fair, and he's old, and we want Donald Trump. And that's what Dan Kaplan says. Do you know what he said? He's named in the censure. I've listened to the last two days just to see what he would say about Jenna Ellis. Do you know what he said? What does he say? He respects her. He he, He said nothing, nothing. Zero. Zero. The same amount of discussion Tucker Carlson has about his texting with Laura Ingram and Hannity. It is radio silence. Their audiences never even hear that Jen Ellis was disciplined, or let alone Dan Kaplan's reaction. And 
honestly, that was a big breaking point for me. And when Dan Kaplitz, I happened to hear it, we're about to play it, he had that challenge, and he was going to give charity for me to debate Jenna, and I accepted. I told him I accept. And then Great. he said, no, that was Ryan Schuling brought you up, and I was just joking. Oh, so it was... Oh, so they withdrew the, he the withdrew challenge. They withdrew it. I said, why don't you come on my show that. and debate Kyle Clark? This was back when all this was going on. And no, Kaplis was saying nobody can hold his candle to her in a debate. And I'm thinking, Craig sure could. I would love to hear it. And I'll do it. But here's the point. Dan Kaplis isn't giving money to charity. And he keeps saying that he wants to debate Kyle Clark. And I said... I will arrange it. And I got Kyle Clark to agree to it. And then Dan Kaplis wouldn't do it. And then I had Kyle Clark on without any conditions. And then Dan said, I won't come on if you are going to talk about Kyle Clark and my controversies with him. And I said, holy cow, that's one thing we always did. We always said no conditions. We didn't have interview conditions. Another thing we never did in almost nine years of radio talk show hosting, we never had open lines. Hey, audience, you figure it out. You know what that means? That he's got nothing to say. He won't talk about Jen Ellis, and he's really not into it. That's like, holy cow, if you come out with a band, I don't want you to say, hey, audience, what do you want to hear? I want you guys... To have a plan. Right. Right. You know who's big live music in Denver kind of person? Who are we talking? Leslie Herod. Really? Wild Mare. She loves to go out. I was going to bring up your band, the Vipers, but. Well. Almost did. We need to to invite her. We got some gigs coming up. Do you know where she went to college? Was it CU? CU Boulder. CU Boulder. That's my alma mater. There you go. Yeah. I know it. Well, let's hear from Jenna Ellis, the challenge Dan Kaplan's issued, the one I accepted, and then they backed out. Jenna Ellis, you can have an hour. I devoted hours to Jenna. I spoke to the New York Times about her on December 3rd, 2020. December 7, 2020, I wrote a Colorado Sun column titled Colorado Lawyers Should Be Better Than This. And then my last paragraph was inviting our court to take a look at it, and they did two and a half years later. So maybe just like with Donald Trump, justice is slow, and maybe it starts with a slap on the wrist. But something tells me that until we put this big lie down, America really will not be correct again. Oh, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm glad they brought... So this was recent, this cens- censuring. Just the other this day. Is, oh, good. I know her attorney, Mike Melito. He was an assistant AG. And what a great deal. He worked out. And it was a plea bargain of sorts. And one of the last admissions was her misrepresentations made on the Dan Kaplan show. So wow. he got named in particular. And as a lawyer, what are the obligations? You know what George Brockler has said about this? No, what do you say? Nothing. They don't yeah. talk about it. 
Right. There's so many off limit topics. to the corner. Well, I'm glad they've done it. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, there should be consequences. The spreading of the big lie, it is. It's a threat to, to our democracy. You know, that's the, that's the core. That's the core of our democracy. The, you know, the, the smooth transition of power, right? You're not getting the, older. The, the you loser, are getting loser, smarter. Yeah, the loser accepting yes. defeat and passing the torch to the winner in good spirit, and and we move forward. I mean, without that, and and I just hope. Uh, I mean, I I hope it's all on its way out, Craig. And this maybe this will be uh, one way of pushing it a little quicker out the door. This whole thing, it's the whole big be, lie, right? It's a big lie with all these tangents. Like January sixth wasn't that bad. Like. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll give charity if somebody will debate Jen Ellis. And then my name's offered, and then I accept it. I think I did it on Twitter every way I could. I let Dan know I accept right. it, then offer withdrawn. Everybody well. listen to that offer, know the rest of this story, and then listen to one of the great songs by our troubadour, Dave Gunner's Come Down Miss Lizzie. I do love that song. Thank you, Troubadour. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. Here's what I'm leading up to. All of these snipers and snarkers taking their shots at Jenna Ellis, I will pay. I will fund it. I will underwrite it to see you debate Jenna Ellis on a topic of your choice. And all I suggest is that you write your will in, in advance, right? Can you imagine any of these people who snipe at Jenna Ellis debating her publicly on anything? Pick your topic. It's all, yeah, it's she a lot easier to the take floor pot with shots. them. Yeah. But but I'm I'm just being honest about it. She would wipe the floor with them. So the challenge is out there. Any of the snipers, the snarkers, the Jenna critics, and again, she and I have had some knockdown dragouts on air where we've disagreed about things. But any of those out there who are calling her names, doubt her abilities as a lawyer or whatever, we will give you this radio show as a forum. We'll make a contribution to the charity of your choice. Let's have the debate. Come on this radio show and debate Jenna on anything you want to. Think we'll have any takers on that, Ryan? Well, I mean, there might be a, a few. Really? Uh, uh, that Okay. Uh, who do you think would take us up on that? Craig Silverman. Oh, I'd love to have Craig come on. <laughs> could you imagine? And you know, Brother Craig, I mean, yeah, could you imagine? so many good memories in this studio. If I can, I ran aground But I know one day This rising tide Is bound to lift me high again Wild night, New Orleans Liquor's flowing And the faces, they all shine Stand beneath a gaslight glow Feel the world unfold It's 1799 Moon, 
muddy water Hard life I wouldn't trade for another I work my fields as a, a free man Under the sun Dreaming of my girl again Night I sit alone and cry She's the one lights up my southern skies In her arms I feel alive My full-blooded Creole Lady of the night So come down Miss Lizzie, come down I need you, it's the end of the day I'm in town So Miss Lizzie, come down Take my breath away I got a flatboat I got a mule I got a passion For all things beautiful Never got no education But I'd give my blood For this young nation I grow corn I grow okra I really like to show you Lizzie every day My fate I'm defying May not marry you But I would die trying So come down Miss Lizzie come down I got a pocket full of money and I'm in town So Miss Lizzie come down Need you in my arms During the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey? What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust, and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. And it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? You can go to Mike Bailey's office and he has offices all over and you could meet at your home. Whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me 
or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com and there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Hey, didn't I tell you this was a, an especially good episode? And if you listen to Come Down, Miss Lizzie again, it is deep and loving. Anyway... I just enjoyed the heck out of this show because I got to know Leslie Herod. I got to know better Cole West and Mario Nicholas. So did my dogs. I hope you had the same nice experience. And until next week, have a great one. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.